Good evening, everyone. My friends, I'm back from Southern California after that little vacation, which is very different there right now. They don't wear masks. <laughs> I know, I know. I was wearing my mask, and everybody was at peace. Nobody was mean. They weren't giving each other the stink eye, as they call it at the hotel. No one gives you the stink eye. You want to wear your mask, wear your mask. You don't, don't. And uh, I don't know if things will change in the coming days and weeks, but that's the way it was there. When I entered the, the little church that I was hanging around for my vacation, I told the usher, um, I know I don't look because I'm in my, va my street clothes. I said, I'm Father Mark, I'm here visiting, and let the priest know. We're, t we're told to let the priest know when we enter into his building. And I said, uh, uh, do we wear masks or not wear masks? Father, do as you please. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay, here we go. I'm like, I think I'll go sit up in the sanctuary with Father then. That is how I please. And he laughed. Uh, our readings, um, our first reading, Moses urges the people to be faithful to the commandments given to him by God. Without adding to it or subtracting from it, Moses says. And or why? Because the law of God uh, itself is perfect and uh, does not burden people, uh, but becomes the very source of life and wisdom. Now, uh, we know it as the Ten Commandments, but they did not know that as the Ten Commandments. That's what we call it. The Israelites did not call it that. It's known as the Decalogue, and it's known as uh, the, the, the precepts. They understood it as precepts. These, what was the, Moses trying to do? They were just getting out of a out of a kingdom where people were wretched and they were slaves and they had picked up the bad habits of the people. So this was God's chosen people and he's telling, this is how you're going to act. You are not going to act like the people you just came from. And so uh, the Decalogue was not finished or the Ten Commandments were not complete as they were. Uh, they would eventually become 613 uh, total precepts. Our second reading, St. James put forth that it's not enough to listen just to the Word of God, uh, but we must put it into practice every day. It must become a very part of our fabric of our life. In doing so, James shows the essential leak between having faith and actually doing something with it. And uh, my friends, our gospel shows what happens in practice when uh, they did not heed Moses' warning about adding and subtracting things from the Decalogue. Jesus tells the Pharisees that they have substituted their own, which is known as the Talmud. Jesus is doing a compare and contrast between the Torah, which is inspired, and the Talmud, which is contrivingness, if you will, of the human heart and what the Pharisees were doing. And they made the two of them equal to each other. And in doing so, they have... Uh, meaning taking all these other precepts, and I'll get more into that, uh, they had become more concerned about that uh, rather than what God had said. Um, and uh, Jesus would imply then that uh, this Talmud, that uh, even though it's not mentioned in the gospel here, but it exists, um, was getting in the way of God's laws. My friends, funny thing, having coming off a of vacation, and I know the, the server knows about it, Somehow I had read the wrong gospel for today, and I started writing my homily. And then when I came and saw what the gospel was yesterday, I was like, 
Lord, have mercy. What was I doing and thinking? So you almost got a homily. It had nothing to do with the gospel today. Um, but I stayed up really, really late, uh, changing everything and, and making it. So uh, my friends, uh, there is this interesting clash now between the first reading and the gospel reading. Uh, and it's a tension. And there's always tension in the books. Remember, the Bible is a set of books and um, inspired by God. And... Um, our first reading in our gospel, um, uh, the issue at hand becomes the laws and uh, how they are interpreted and how they are applied. And uh, these readings arise out of very different historical situations. And uh, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, in its final editing, was put together to address a problem. And I've already alluded to that problem. Uh, they were coming out of slavery and they were acting a fool and they picked up bad ways, and this was, and God said, you are going to be my people, and my people are going to act in a certain way. And uh, the people who were in exile in Babylon and were in danger of losing their identity then as God's people is what we're picking up on here. And Deuteronomy was compiled to remind them of the laws and the tradition of Israel and to call them back to faithfulness and uh, it was absolutely essential in order for them to continue to exist as a nation in a foreign country. And after the return to Jerusalem, to maintain that identity. So the book of Deuteronomy uh, takes a very positive attitude towards the laws and traditions of Israel. And commends their careful observance as being quite wise. Our gospel... Uh, that I read to you today uh, comes from a different time period. It came uh, 500 years later from our first reading. And during those 500 years, the words of Deuteronomy found in the book had been taken to heart by the leaders, the religious leaders of the people. They embraced the idea that faithful observance of the law of Moses, as they understood it, was essential for all people who would want to profess faith in God. Not just any God, the God of Israel. Because remember, they, uh, back in their time, they had all kinds of gods. Uh, in fact, in order to ensure total observance of the law of Moses, uh, they had imposed on them uh, an additional hundreds of little uh, extra regulations. And uh, they had a nickname for it, was called the hedge around the law. Uh, we would know it, for those who studied, the Talmud. And um, again, the Talmud is created by men, by the religious men. The Torah is an inspired uh, work by the prophets and given by the Holy Spirit. But their reasoning was understandable. If people observed the regulations of the Talmud, um, the leaders believed at that time then it would be very difficult for the people to break the law of Moses. For the culture of Jesus' time then, the faithful Jew, in order to be faithful, to be devout, one would have to be very scrupulous and observed all that was written in the Talmud. But over the years, these rules have begun to undermine the very spirit of the law that Moses gave, which was to turn their hearts to God, to give Him worship and to treat others properly. They had begun to forget 
what was important. And um, the careful observance of regulations had replaced the religion of the heart. I'm using that religion word because it's in our second reading from St. James. And my friends, it is not difficult to see how this happened because it was much easier uh, to observe the Talmud. They would have to go and put money in the collection box in the temple. Uh, they would have to go to the Sabbath. They would have to go to all the festivals, the parties, that the, in remembrance of all the great things that God had done. They had to avoid eating pork and other certain foods. That's much easier than to deal with the things that Jesus listed, isn't it? Evil thoughts, gossiping, uh, those come from the other scriptures. So observance of the regulations of the Talmud was presented as a less demanding substitute for faith. You no longer had to have faith in God. You just had to do this, and you would be okay. It would be enough. I wonder how much has changed here we are in 2021. Perhaps not a whole lot. It is true, still true, that disciplining one's own selfish desires and ambitions, greed and thirst for vengeance, and gossiping and murmuring, not taking control of our tongues, that is much more difficult to do than to observe the required Sunday sitting in the pew. And not just coming here and sitting in the pew, but coming with pure intent, with a heart of love, a reason of devotion. Jesus' criticism on purely external acts devoid of true faith or mechanical observance of precepts is still as valid today as it was back in his day. Jesus called it hypocrisy. And you who study the scriptures already know Jesus didn't like hypocrites. He really had a distaste for that. And our Lord, his words challenge us to examine ourselves and our attitudes about religion, in particular about our Catholic traditions. In fact, many Christians, I believe, have not really come to terms with the demands of true religion of the heart of true faith, of true discipleship of Jesus Christ. They seem to be devout Christians as long as things are going well. But as soon as they suffer some loss or injury or some perceived injustice, all the gospel teachings go out the window. And then they become what I call baptized heathens, acting like heathens, exhibiting traits that are not that of a disciple of Jesus Christ. The gospel proclaimed today can uncomfortably hold a mirror up before each one of us, which will, should cause us to look seriously at our attitudes and our actions and to reflect more deeply, are we constantly working on holiness? Are we constantly walking in the ways of Jesus Christ? Discipleship has great demands upon us. And we need our Lord's grace in order to rise to those. And so at every Mass, grace is given. 
The Eucharist we are about to celebrate is food for the journey. In Latin, that is known as viaticum. My friends, in the Eucharist is a promise that if we want to draw close to God, if we really desire to be holy and walk in holiness, to continue on a path of conversion and transformation, we can. And the Lord will always be there to help us, to sustain us on that journey. And that journey is in the direction of the new Jerusalem, which is heaven. So my friends, I leave you with the words from St. James. Humbly welcome the word that has been planted within you and is able to save your soul. Be doers of the word and not just hearers only. The Father is this, and this is where I'll take some grace, to care for others in their need and then ultimately to keep oneself unstained by the world. Yeah, that's a slap in the face of the secular traditions. And stop. So my friends, our traditions uh, should lead us into an expression of faith. When traditions become devoid of that, I'm talking about religious traditions. I'm not talking about the tradition of, you know, we open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. That's, those are good too, but traditions tell us something. I mean, we're human beings, so our blood and our bones and our meat, all that tells us what we are. Traditions tell us who we are. So our religious traditions should remind us that God is our Father and that He deserves the glory and the honor, always, and that Jesus Christ alone is Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit helps us on those things. So when the traditions, religious traditions, become devoid of this, and do not express faith anymore. They are no longer helpful. They are a hindrance and get in the way. Just as Jesus was telling, um, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the scribes were created, the group of scribes, they were created, they were the knowers of the law uh, because of the Talmud. They needed, they created the Talmud and then they needed lawyers to tell them how to go about doing things. Uh, so my friends, uh, let us embrace our Catholic traditions never allowing them to be devoid of faith and love. Because once that happens, they become a hindrance and get in the way. But when applied properly and understood and enjoyed and celebrated, they bring glory to God the Father. Amen?